All right. So next Sunday, we're starting a new series called Always Near. It's going to be a series on the Holy Spirit. I'm very excited about it. Let me tell you why I'm excited. Uh, Because when you hear about the Holy Spirit, people typically fall into one or two categories. Number one, they don't like talking about it at all. It freaks them out. So don't even talk to me about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Number two, they talk about it so much that they're weird. You know who I'm talking about. If you don't know, you're them. So uh, next Sunday, we're going to talk about um, the balance. And it's a very important topic because uh, the Bible says this, that there is a father, God, and right at his right hand is Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, who is a he, by the way, is with us, moves through us, and is around us. And uh, when we acknowledge him um, and allow him to move through us, it's, it's pretty awesome. But um, a lot of people take this and get really weird with it. And it's like it becomes undesirable because of that. And so we're going to talk about one of the most beautiful things in the planet, and that's the Holy Spirit. And he's always near to us. And so you want to come next week, and, uh, and we're going to unpack that thought. And uh, if you bring a friend, they're going to love it. They will not be weirded out at all. They're going to love it. Uh, the only time the Holy Spirit is weird is when he's misrepresented. Just to be honest. So uh, if anybody has ever made you think that the Holy Spirit is weird, the Holy Spirit's not weird. They are weird. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is the coolest thing in the world. They are a fruitcake. All right. So we are going to talk about that next week. So make sure you come. Uh, But today we're talking about part two of a series called Who? And uh, we got to know who we are if we are going to be able to leverage our life to be significant and to be impactful so we're not that hamster in a wheel where we're just like working and doing the same thing every single day, every single week. And we just look forward to Saturdays and vacations. Like life is supposed to be more than that. Um, You know, when we die, we want people to say, that person touched my heart, touched my life. In fact, for the people that are unsure whether or not people are going to cry at your funeral, I have good news for you. You can rent a mourner. (laughs) You can. Uh, Here, put up that website. This is a real website. You can get online and rent a mourner. In fact, you can rent many of them. They will come to your funeral and cry for you. Now, don't throw stones because I'm calling them. I want people wailing (laughs) at my funeral, especially John. You better cry if you live longer than me. You better cry. So uh, I want them wailing. I want people like, oh, we're going to miss Jimmy so much. It's Frankie. We're going to miss Frankie so much. I want people wailing. 
Um, but if we live our life right, um, not only will people miss us, um, but when we get to heaven, people will be celebrating us. And, and that's how we want to live our life. But in order to do that, we, we've got to know who we are. And, and we are three things. Number one is you are a minister. I'm not the only minister in this room. I am a minister with you guys. We are all ministers. We're all human beings. We're all ministers. We all need air. We're all ministers. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a good looking minister. And I say, can I have your number? Go ahead. Hey, we're just trying to take care of the single people. All right. We've all been single before. Uh, But anyway, um, some of you are like, If I would have known you were going to do that, I wouldn't have sat here. (laughs) I would have sat over there. But anyway. Um, uh, So number one, we are a minister. Number two, we are salt. We are salt. And number three, we are light. So let's unpack that sermon, if you will. Um, Here we go. Let's dive straight into it. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it reads like this. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Jesus Christ. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. If you've ever wondered, what does God want me to do with my life? And we've all thought that. This just answered that question. You could almost walk out right now, but don't. I got more to say. (laughs) But this just answered that question. God wants you to spend your life helping people. And what is so crazy is when you hear that, it sounds bigger and harder than what it is. Have you ever done something nice for somebody and they look back at you and they're like, thank you so much. And you're thinking to yourself, you're welcome, but it really wasn't that hard. Are you with me? It wasn't really that hard. I mean, I mean, it wasn't that hard. But what God wants is he wants us to not only help people, but to live a life and have a mentality of just being different. So my, my son, he's nine years old. If you ask him what he wants to be when he gets older, he wants to be a professional basketball player. Then he's going to be a professional baseball player. And then after that, he might want to be a preacher. <laughs> like if I'm totally bored, then I'll be a preacher. Uh, if, if you were to ask God or if my son were to ask God, what do you want me to be? God would look at you and say, I want you to be different. One of the most famous messages that Jesus ever preached was a a message called the Sermon on the Mount. Raise your hand if you've heard of it. Uh, the, The theme of the whole sermon is be different. 
Watch, I'm going to pull about five sentences out of that sermon, okay? It's in chapter six in the book of Matthew. Um, and I'm just going to pull about five verses out. Watch this. Um, uh, actually, it's chapter five of the book of Matthew. So verse 21, it says this. You have heard, but I say to you. Now in verse 27. You have heard, but I say to you. Watch this in verse 33. Again, you have heard, but I say to you, in other words, you are hearing what other people are doing and what other people are telling you to do, but what I'm telling you to do, do you see what he's doing here? He's, he's drawing a contrast. I, I want you to be different. Now watch this. Um, in, in verse 43, he says it again. You have heard, but I'm telling you. In, in, verse, uh, in Matthew 6, verse 8, he says this. Therefore, then he just says it just in case somebody missed it. He says it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them. Like, if you didn't get it the first five times, what I'm trying to tell you is, is I want you to be different. And if I had time, I would show you all the, the, the places where these scriptures say what I'm about to tell you. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you how he outlines being different. Being different means that you give to people who are in need. In need. That is different. It is different to be a person who is praying all the time. Um, I say it often, Smith Wigglesworth was the one that said it originally. He said, I don't always pray an hour a day, but I never let an hour go by without praying. So you just say a sentence here, a sentence there, four sentences here, 20 sentences there, and then everything you're doing, you're doing it with the Lord. For instance, I was cleaning my dishes uh, the other day, our dishes, and, and most spoons and knives and forks just need to go under the water and then in the dishwasher, right? Just under the water and in the dishwasher. But every once in a while, you pick up a spoon that you got to kind of pick at. Right? It's got that, that piece of food on there that you just got to get your fingernail and just, yeah. You're looking at me like you've never done this. You know good and well. You're just scraping. And, and, and it's in those moments where you say, God, do you see how I'm picking this dirt off? If there's any dirt in my life, I want you to just pick it off just like this. You just make everything a prayer. You're driving down the road, you pass a car, look in the rearview mirror, and if there's a relationship in your life that's, 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 that's hurting you or causing you stress, like a, a boss or a work associate you, or a close friend, you just say, God, the, the way that car is in my rearview mirror, I want you to put that relationship in my rearview mirror. Yeah. You just pray about everything. And, and just as an aside... There are divine connections where God says, I want you and you to be friends. Amen. And then there's also divine disconnections Amen. where God says, look, both of you are going to heaven. I just don't want you hanging out here on earth. <laughs> You're not good for each other. I want you over here. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? 
Those are divine disconnections. Hey, you're cool, but you're not good for me. I'll see you in heaven. We'll hang out in heaven. But if we hang out right now, neither one of us might make it. <laughs> right? Those are divine disconnections. And so basically what we're saying here is we're backing up and we're saying, okay, we need to be different because you can't make a difference if you're not different. All right, let that just sink in. to, To say, okay, I want my life to be made up being a minister. What is a minister? A minister is nothing more or nothing less than a person who meets another person's need. In fact, I looked up the word minister and the example they gave was a doctor ministers to the needs of the sick. So you are called to be a minister to help people. And there were times in the Bible where Jesus wasn't the one helping people. The people were helping him. He was the one being ministered to. I'll give you an example. Uh, Jesus used to go through this one particular town all the time. And his friends, Martha and Mary and Lazarus said, Jesus, you're always coming through here. And we're, you know, why don't you just stay with us instead of trying to get a room at the motel at the inn? I mean, they didn't have room for you the first time. <laughs> why don't you just stay with us? And he would come in and they would feed him and they would take care of him. Uh, there was a guy named Elijah in the Old Testament. He was starving because there was a famine in the land and a widow fed him. She was greatly blessed for it, but it wasn't the preacher that was doing the ministering. It was the person that is normally being ministered to. It's inverted. Are you with me? There was a a couple, I want to make sure I pronounce the the city right. Uh, There was a a couple, um, let me see uh, where where it's, uh, uh, yes, in, in, in Shunem. There's a couple in Shunem in the Bible. The husband and wife saw Elisha and said, look, Elisha, you keep walking through. We're going to build you a suite. We're going to build you a room so that when you come through, you can hang out here and we'll feed you. So there's time and time again where it's not the preacher that's doing the ministering. It's inverted. In fact, my job description in the Bible reads like this. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So it's you guys that meet needs for people. You are a minister and a good one too. Some people pull on you more than you're ready to be pulled on. But you are a minister. And when you back up and you say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life Don't let your compass get you off track. Just remember that when people have needs and they come to you, that is an independent assignment to minister to them and to help them. Number two is to be salt. Now I got a salt shaker up here. I actually have pepper and salt because it just doesn't look right. So I'm only talking about salt, but it just doesn't look right, right? Okay, that looks much better. Um, 
But salt, it's interesting because Jesus says this, you are the salt of the world. Now, salt is interesting because salt is supposed to be spread out and sprinkled, not dumped. In fact, if you ever put salt on your food and all of a sudden the top falls off because some smart aleck kid unscrewed it halfway and you dump it and now all of a sudden all this salt falls on your food, a big old pile of it, and now you're not going to eat it. Why? Because you put that in your mouth and it's like, sorry. That's too much salt. Have you ever been around somebody where it's like, I know you love God, but scale it down. <laughs> like, too much, brother, too much. And, and then they make you feel like you don't love the Lord because you're not as salty as they are. Well, guess what? You're making me salty, and I mean it in a different way. Like, you're just too much. Salt, salt is supposed to make people thirsty. And so what the Lord is saying here is, look, number one, you are a minister. Number two, when you live your life, the way you live your life, you want to live it in such a way that not only are you helping, but you're living in a way where people want to know, why are you different. Now he also says that you're the light of the world, point number three. Now this is an interesting thing because he says you are light. Light's primary purpose is to dispel darkness, okay? But he says you're light. What's interesting about light is light does not make a sound. Light is felt but not heard. In other words, People see you, they're attracted to you. It's like a magnet. Magnets are not heard. They have an experience and an effect, but they're not heard. And so what the Bible's saying here is, I want you to take the responsibility of being a, a, a minister. I want you to talk about it just enough and show just enough to make people thirsty. But remember, you are light. It's not about what you're saying. In fact, it's better if you don't say much. Amen. See, we have different scales in the church sometimes than God does. A lot of times people will come in and they'll say to me in the lobby, they'll say, well, where are the gifts, the spiritual gifts? I want to know where the gifts are at because the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to his children. But what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't show up going, where are the gifts? He doesn't do that. He says it like this. Hmm. Where's your fruit? Because gifts, you didn't do anything to get that gift. Watch this. I got a pen here. John, come on up here. Now this is my favorite pen. I love this pen. I love this pen. It's a nice pen, right? It's a nice pen. Love this pen. In fact, everywhere I go, I bring my keys, wallet, phone, and pen. Just love this pen. I know it's silly, but leave me alone, okay? 
It's saying, John is a sweet pen. I'm going to give it to you. Now, he can't brag about that gift. He didn't do anything to read. I gave it to him. So when God looks at John, he doesn't say, let's talk about your gifts. Because he didn't do anything to get them. What he does look at John and say, I'm going to judge you not by your gifts. I'm not going to judge you by your gifts. I gave you the gift. I'm going to judge you by your fruit. I'm going to judge you by your fruit. And, and what's interesting is people who are passionate about gifts usually have very little fruit. They're big on gifts, low on fruit. And you look at their life and you go, what about your life is attractive? I mean, I don't see anything about your life that's attractive. I mean, nothing, zero. But you want to talk about gifts. Hmm, that's interesting. Fruit is cultivated. You got to cultivate it. And if you don't cultivate it, you don't have it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. This has to be cultivated. People don't like the law of process. You have to develop fruit. Gifts, you just go, oh, thank you, God. And then you walk around and go, I got a gift. Where's your gift? Where's your gift? I got a gift. I thought, oh, where's your gift? I want, I want to use my gift right now. Okay, this is not the church for you. You need to go be a part of like something else. What are we saying here? Thank you, John. Give John a big round of applause, will you? What we're saying here is, is that light the Holy Spirit says, I just want you to live and I am going to move through you. In the second service, uh, somebody that was in ICU two weeks ago, the doctor, now I got this rule because I've been doing, going to visit people in hospitals since I was three years old with my dad. And when I go visit people in hospitals, typically the family is, you know, very emotional as they should. And I always say the same thing to the family. I say, look, I know you're nervous. I, I'm nervous. But let's control how nervous we are. Let's not get nervous until the doctor gets nervous. Because the doctor sees this stuff all the time. This is our first time. So when the doctor gets nervous, we get nervous. If the doctor is calm, then we're calm. Cool? Cool. The doctor comes walking in and says, you need to prepare your husband the wife was right here today. You need to prepare your husband to go to hospice. All right, now that's a, you have my attention right now. Um, that means he is going to die. I've done all I can, and I don't want him to die on my bed. I want him to die on someone else's bed. That's what that means. And so she, the, the wife said, uh, her name is Lisa, and she said, okay, thank you. Thank you. That's all she said. Thank you. Now, I've been in a lot of hospital rooms. I've been in hospital rooms with Christians who got ready to tell the doctor off. Oh, no, I know you didn't. I know you did. I know you did not. I, and just go nuts on the doctor. And the doctor's like, dude, I'm just like, 
like, sorry, and I'm sending there like, I don't even know him, really. <laughs> I'm in the wrong room. Like, <laughs> um, Lisa goes just like this, uh, thank you. I'm looking at Lisa like, I, wow. She goes home and prays the house down and does it again and again and again and again. She, she shows up at the hospital one morning and her husband Matt is sitting there. He goes, hey baby, how are you? What? You, he's been in a coma for three weeks. Hey baby, how are you? She went, what? She takes a picture of him and texts me the picture. I was like, I went to the hospital. I walked in, last time it was like, hello, hello. He was, sli- he was out. I walked in, he goes, hey, pastor. I went, the doctor comes in. I'm saying this respectfully. Don't get, me, don't get mad at me. I'm honoring the house, but I'm going to quote the doctor the best I can. The doctor comes in, who's not a Christian. He's not a believer. He walks in and goes, holy sh... And drops the SH bomb. Boom. And I'm looking, I'm like, I, I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> We're all freaking out. <laughs> and so we're looking at it, we're like, oh my goodness. And, and we're, I'm looking at this family. They have adult kids and the wife. And they didn't say anything to anybody. The only thing they did was just live. And the doctor goes, holy blank. And then he goes, this is a miracle. Amen. Now, now. This is what the Lord's saying. He's saying, look, I know that you, you want to say things and do things. And I know, but I'm calling you to be salt. Spread yourself out. Don't be in a rabbit hole and just hang out with each other. I want you to spread yourself out. I want you to get out there. Do you know the church, the business team gave us approval to do this one time about five years ago. We got the attention of like 10 couples in the church, random couples, and we said, hey, we are gonna buy you and somebody in your life who does not go to church, we're gonna buy them dinner and I want them to just meet me at a restaurant. Instead of meeting me at a church, meet them at a restaurant. Just tell them, hey, my pastor wants to take us out to eat. It's free. And they were all like, oh, this is a great idea. Until they realized they did not know anybody who didn't go to church. So they couldn't invite anybody to the dinner. It's like, wow. So you got all of your friends go to celebration? except for about four, and they go to that church down there. Oh, geez. And, and what the Lord is saying is, look, I, you're all I got. I need you to spread yourself out. Don't say a lot. Make them thirsty. Serve somebody. And now watch this. Whoever's playing the keys or the piano, come on up. In here in this house, 
we need you to not only do that out there, but here in this church as well. We need you to serve each other, be a greeter, be an usher, be in the children's ministry, something. You say, well, why do I need to serve each other? We're all going to heaven. Yes, we're all going to heaven, but watch this. We show up tired sometimes, don't we? We show up discouraged sometimes, don't we? And some of you are discouraged right now, today. We show up down and we cover it up. And I've talked about this before. Everybody has a battle. Sometimes it's a financial battle. Sometimes it's a health battle, but everybody has a battle. My battle that I have to fight is depression. Now, I don't want anyone grabbing me in the hallway and wanting to rebuke a demon out of me. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't have financial problems, but that's my battle. You know, it just comes and, and if you've never fought depression before, man, it's hard. It's, it's rough. I'm the senior pastor of the church when I come walking down that aisle and somebody goes, hey! And I'm like, thank you for saying that. And all they said was, hey. The reason why I want everybody to go out there and join the dream team is because you make this place better. Just by going, hey. And you say, well, I can say hey without being a part of a team. Yes, you can. But your hey sounds better when other people around you are going, hey. So it's kind of like, hey. <laughs> Everybody stand to your feet for me, please. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? 100% sure. If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Hands are going up all over this room right now. And let's just say this simple prayer with your hands raised. If everyone can raise your hands right where you are. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do something a little bit different. Usually I bring prayer partners down at this time, but I'm not going to this time. This time I'm just going to say that the altars are open if you'd like to come down and pray alone. Nobody will bother you. You can just spend some time at the altar praying. And if you don't come down, let me pray a blessing over you. This is a blessing for everyone, but don't feel like you have to come down. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.